The polls have closed. The votes are still being counted. But the Associated Press has called the California gubernatorial recall election. And its projection? Voters said no on recalling Governor Gavin Newsom. No is not the only thing that was expressed tonight. Uh, I want to focus on what we said yes to as a state. We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. We said yes to people's right to vote without fear of fake fraud or voter suppression. If the results hold, and it sure looks like it, Governor Gavin Newsom will remain in office. Voters rejected the idea that his progressive policies on COVID-19, on climate change, on everything, were ruining the California dream, and that someone else on the ballot could do a better job. Even though one of those candidates, conservative talk show host Larry Elder, kept campaigning even in his concession speech. So what's next for the Golden State? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. Today, we welcome Times politics reporter Seema Mehta from Long Beach in Southern California and John Myers, our Sacramento bureau chief. They're here to talk what else? Recall, winners, losers, future, and whether Gavin Newsom will ever eat at a fancy restaurant again. So, John, Seema, how are ustedes feeling? (laughs) Tired. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long day. John, let's start with you. Give us the math, the who voted, the how, the where, all of that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Gustavo, right, math matters. I tell my kids that all the time, and the math matters here. And because there are so many Democrats in the state, there are, you know, basically two Democrats for every Republican. Uh, the math was going to be hard for the Republicans who were back in this recall, and it was impossible, as it turns out. Um, as we saw the election returns come in into the evening Tuesday, the, the numbers largely were kind of two to one against the recall. It's going to fluctuate some, and the final numbers we won't get for a few days as they finish opening the ballots that arrive in the mail. But, I mean, a two-to-one is, is is a pretty handy victory, and it's a pretty uh, solid repudiation of this recall effort. John, this is your second time covering a California recall. What set out for you this time around? It really was very different from 18 years ago. You know, uh, due respect to our, our national colleagues in the press who kind of kept saying, oh, well, this is like the 2003 Arnold Schwarzenegger recall. And I'm like, no, it's really not. And, and I think what stood out to me as much as anything is that from start to finish, and I'll explain part of that because it's a little confusing, but from start to finish, it was a pandemic recall. It was about the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I say confusing because technically the recall began before the pandemic had really kicked in. The, the proponents had uh, filed it with the Secretary of State and they'd started to try to move forward with gathering signatures. But the pandemic quickly drew it in whether it's the, you know, you alluded to it earlier, the governor's infamous dinner at the Napa Valley French Laundry that uh, really showed people this moment that they felt was pure political hypocrisy, whether it was a judge in Sacramento that gave the recall campaign four additional months because of the pandemic to gather signatures, which it would not have made the ballot had that not happened. And then, of course, the anger about Newsom's actions or lack of actions from businesses to other economic sectors to schools and how they've dealt with the pandemic 
pandemic. This was a pandemic recall start to finish. And I think as you see the end here, as people are feeling a little bit more optimistic in California and vaccination rates are very strong, that all also played in Gavin Newsom's favor. Seema, a lot of people nationwide saw the California recall race as a referendum, not just on Newsom, but politics itself. The entire premise of the recall was that Californians were sick of progressive policies and that what we really wanted and needed was to be more like Texas and other GOP states. This overwhelming win for Newsom, is it a vindication for progressives? I think it it certainly is going to be looked at Democrats um, that way as they look at the 2022 midterm elections. Um, There was a lot of questions about how people viewed uh, vaccine mandates and mask mandates. You know, Newsom really doubled down on that. If you see his final, his messaging, not only in the final weeks, but the final months, the ads, he was basically saying, hey, Californians, if you recall me, you're going to get one of these other guys and you're going to die. And that was really, he really, you know, as I said, doubled down on this message of this is this pandemic response, which some people said was way too harsh, that it was the right direction to take. And I think that for Democrats who are are figuring out their messaging for the the congressional midterms, they're certainly going to take cues from that. And I think you heard President Biden say that um, when he rallied supporters for Newsom um, on Monday in Long Beach. The lady Republican running for governor is uh, the closest thing to a Trump clone that I've ever seen in your state. Not really mean it. And uh, he's leading the other team. He's the clone of Donald Trump. Can you imagine him being governor of this state? We'll be back after this break. John, I heard John Cox, who was also running to replace Gavin Newsom and lost badly to him in 2018. Cox said in an interview that the Yes on Recall campaign actually won. He meant it in the sense that it shook up California politics and that the Democrats better listen or else. If the goal was to shake up politics, did this recall election achieve that? Uh, No, I think it made everybody more angry and produced a lot of campaign spending and possibly the you know, the seeds of, of what will happen in 2022, which I don't think is going to be good for Republicans if it doesn't change. You know, I, I, not that you're really focusing on John Cox in that question, but I want to take a moment to talk about Mr. Cox, a, a, a San Diego businessman who lost to Gavin Newsom in 2018 in the most lopsided gubernatorial election in modern California history. And the guy gets walloped in this race again and, you know, traveled the state with a Kodiak bear at one point, And then another point, he had a large ball of trash <laughs> that he traveled around with, a Monopoly board. I mean, you know, between that and some of the candidates running on the replacement campaign, you look at that and you just think this is only in California, right? This is the political system we're in. But the voters like the power to recall people. They may want to tinker with it, and we could talk about that, but they thought this was the right way to go. And so I don't think that this shook up politics beyond um, rattling everybody, organizing everybody into where they would have been for 2022. And again, I think Republicans may rue that day because they've really ignited a fire under a lot of Democrats. Democrats, despite Newsom's apparent really large victories, they're going to have to look at how they got to this point. I mean, this is a state where they have a 5 million voter registration edge over Republicans. And the fact that they, first, that they allowed this to happen, there are a number of missteps, some on the part of, the, of Newsom's campaign, some of his on his own part, like the French Laundry Dinner. Um, but then beyond that, the fact that it got close and that some Democratic voters were not feeling that connected with the governor 
and donors had to spend more than $70 million. That is money that they could have spent on house races next year. And these house races are going to be critical to determining who takes control of the house. So I do think there might be, or maybe there should be, some introspection among Democrats about how they let it get to this point in the state that they so dominate. Yeah. Even though Newsom is sticking around as governor, are recall elections a tactic that are here to stay? I know there's a lot of them. Our, our colleagues have covered this. A lot of local recall elections in California right now. I think it's still hard. I mean, I know that there is a, a concern or a question about that. I think it's a good question, Gustavo. But I, I, I think it's still very hard to make one of these happen on the statewide level. This is only the second one in the 110-year existence of the recall process in California on the statewide level. Um, people say it's too easy to qualify a recall. Well, these guys wouldn't have gotten on the ballot, as I said, had they not gotten extra time from a judge and they had some money. So I don't know, but I do think there is going to be a lot of conversation about the future of recalls. Uh, You're seeing some legislators talk about uh, constitutional amendments. You're seeing other uh, academics and groups talk about it. I certainly think that people will threaten a lot of recalls and rattle that political saber, but getting it on the ballot, I still think it's hard. Seema, you covered the 2020 presidential election. How does Newsom's win affect Democrat and Republican politics in California and beyond? Because a quarter of the California voters are no party preference and they're increasing in numbers every year. Right. I mean, California, Republicans have have given up on California in terms of the presidential race for for many cycles. Um, I mean, sometimes they visit for fundraisers, but really uh, in terms of what happens in November of a presidential year, California is, is basically on the Democrats list, uh, you know, as soon as the polls close. Um, but I do think the question uh, that arises is, you know, Larry Elder was sort of a stand in for Donald Trump. And the question is, do Republicans run these sort of, you know, Trump was obviously successful in his first election. Larry Elder was not successful in his first election. But um, do they continue to run these sort of uh, media personalities who are, you know, unabashed about their conservatives and who make really controversial comments that, you know, that some would argue disqualify them, but other voters that you know really embrace is saying, hey, they tell it like it is. Um, is this a change from the Republican Party? It certainly happened at the national level with Trump, but you know, what does this mean for the future? Do they go that down that path? Do they continue to go down that path? Or do they revert to the Jeb Bushes of the world and, you know, sort of the the Mitt Romneys of the world, the more, you know, traditional establishment path? John and Seema, one of the big topics in the recall election, like in most big California elections, was the Latino vote. Latinos make up a plurality of California residents and keep increasing in voting power. And our newsroom said a bunch of our L.A. Times colleagues, Cindy Carcamo, Ruben Vives, Andrew Campa, to name a few, they sent them out to polling places in heavily Latino areas in Southern California. Let's hear what these voters had to say. I think it's important for our community to realize that just because this is a highly Democratic area, that we don't just blindly vote for Democrats just because they voted that way for such a long time. They're good Democrats and they're bad Democrats, but by the same token, they're also good and bad Republicans. So what led you to vote today? Uh, Well, I just think Governor Newsom is doing a pretty good job so far. So I think it's not fair to take him out yet. I mean, he's been helping out immigrants, which is basically pretty good because I'm an immigrant myself. What uh, inspired you most about Larry O'Day? I've been listening to his radio show forever. I always tend to agree with the stuff that he says. Let me ask you this. There are a lot of Latinos who are Democrat. What's your message out to them today? They say there's a lot of undercover Republican Latinos. I I believe there's more Republican Latinos than there is Democrat. They just don't say it. I feel that if we want to go ahead and choose to wear the mask or with the vaccine passports and things, we should be able to have the option to do that. But unfortunately, we're not being able to do that. It's just something that's being enforced. So that is the reason why I had voted yes for the recall. 
Those voters were Osvaldo Alvarado, Rosalind Alvarez, Eduardo Borrego, and Melissa Garcia. You know, there was a lot of attention paid to how Latinos were actually, even though there were still a minority of Latino voters, at least 31% in the final poll released by the LA Times and the Berkeley Institute showed that Latinos were in favor of the recall. Why do you think there was so much attention paid to how Latinos were going to vote in this recall? Um, Well, first of all, I mean, I think in 2020, there were more Latinos that voted for President Trump than I think a lot of political uh, commentators expected. So that's one part one, uh, particularly given his history of making um, some really incendiary remarks about Latinos and about immigrants. Number two, um, Latino voters, in terms of the vote by mail, what we were seeing, especially in the early days, was that they were lagging behind. They were not turning in as many ballots as their numbers would suggest that they should if they were going to be on par with other groups. And, you know, traditionally, Latino voters, as well as young voters, have been really hard to turn out to the polls in a non-presidential year. And the Newsom campaign spent, you know, spent millions of dollars to turn out these voters. They partnered with community groups. They brought out influencers, whether it was Katy Perry for young people or, or um, George Lopez for Latinos. I mean, they, they they knew they had a problem here. They knew they had an uphill task, um, but they, they spent a lot of money. And it seems like we don't know the final numbers yet, and I'll, I'll be interested to see where it finally shakes out. Um, but we know that they, they were successful, at least in some regard, to getting these voters who are key parts of their coalition to the polls. And kind of to Seema's point, Gustavo, if, if you look at the, the registration rolls in California, there are about 6 million Latino voters. And to her point about this early voting, there were fewer than 2 million that had returned their ballots as Election Day had arrived and through the middle of Election Day. And so, I mean, they just have not did not show up, it seemed like, in their proportions, in addition to trying to figure out who they're going to vote for. And, you know, we've had this discussion in California for the better part of almost two decades. Absolutely. The people who show up in, in elections in California have been older and whiter than the diversity and the age diversity of the state. It's, it's an exclusive electorate in a way, as some researchers have called it. And I think it's an ongoing question what it takes to bring those voters to the polls uh, in greater numbers. Before Election Day even started, Republicans and especially candidate Larry Elder began to talk about voter fraud. And Gavin Newsom quickly tied it to the idea of the big lie that many Republicans hold, this idea that the 2020 presidential election was stolen from Donald Trump. So bring up voter fraud. Who did that help more, the no recall campaign or the yes recall campaign? Um, in some ways, I think it helped both. I mean, Democrats clearly seized upon this to say that, you know, what President Trump tried to do in 2020 Larry Elder is trying to do today. Um, but, it, but some Republicans who disagree with the president's com- the former president's comments and who disagree with what Larry Elder said, so that they believe that it actually might have suppressed Republican voters from turning out, saying, this thing's done. You know, we're not going to be able to make any difference. And um, and I think this has, you know, really, it's going to have a lot of consequences going forward in the future. Um, to be fair, I want to say that while President Trump or former President Trump and Larry Elder did make these claims about uh, rigged elections and voter fraud, there were Republicans that spoke out against it. The former state party chairman, Ron Nehring, he put out a lengthy uh, Twitter thread that talks about how this was buying into um, Vladimir Putin's attempts to undermine American democracy. Um, you had members of people, you had people who worked for Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger who said the same thing, that this was nonsense. Um, so it was not, well, uh, Kevin Faulkner, he disagreed with it as well, you know, the former mayor of San Diego. Um, so while some really vocal Republican voices were making these claims, there were people in the Republican Party pushing and, back. And, and the, the, the fascinating thing to me out of this, Gustavo, is that we used to think in the state that it was Republicans that voted absentee, voted by mail, and Democrats voted at the polls. But this suspicion that is, you know, not founded in reality of systemic fraud, this suspicion of mail ballots, we have flipped the the conventional wisdom here where Republicans now want to vote in person. Things come up on election day. Kids
kids get sick. You've got to work a little extra shift. And, you know, when you don't vote, take advantage of these longer voting times, you may not turn out in as big big numbers. And so I think, you know, there is a real world re- uh, part of this element of this constant conversation that the former president and uh, Mr. Elder, too, have brought up in this race. And finally, lightning round. Just a quick responses from each of you to each question I'm going to ask. Biggest winner? Gavin Newsom. I think Gavin Newsom, but with an asterisk that he even had to go through this in such a democratic state. Biggest loser? John Cox. Kevin Faulkner. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with Seema. I agree with Seema. I think Kevin Faulkner, uh, long term, is is a big loser. But John Cox, the guy has spent a whole lot of his money now for multiple elections. (laughs) I can't figure out what's next for him. John Cox has been a loser for quite some time, though, in multiple election cycles. I mean, I'm not trying to to paint the man as a loser. Um, He's just lost many, many elections. Kevin Faulkner, though, I think was really viewed as the best hope for California Republicans in terms of getting someone elected statewide. And he's, you know, running on fumes. Biggest surprise. The early evening, I think I have to, and and I shouldn't even say that's a surprise. I guess it's just because I feel like an old man reporter sometimes because we used (laughs) to stay up so late. But it is it is a change in the way we run elections. We give people a month to vote and they turn them in early. We find the votes early. I agree with that. Biggest letdown. Early evening. No. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) not being in the office, honestly, not being in the office and just having so few campaign events because half the fun of campaigns is like going to rallies and talking to voters. And yes, there was a little bit of that. But I mean, it's really it's not the same. Who's going to cry more, Gavin Newsom or Larry Elder? (laughs) I don't think either one of them will be crying. I think they'll be, I think they both will be, um, I I don't know. I can see them both kind of doing the yelling and screaming thing. Sometimes I feel like Gavin Newsom's going to launch into one of those Howard Dean moments of screaming out there, like in the (laughs) presidential primary of days gone by. But they're both emotional guys. And I think emotion plays a big part in modern politics. I mean, but it looks like Newsom had like an overwhelming win. And although you know, when he spoke as a reporter in Sacramento, he was emotional for a moment. Um, when he talked about, you know, what lesson are we teaching to America's children today? Like, he, you know, he has four children and he's like, you know, with the, whether it's the divisiveness, the part of, you know, the polarization, um, the big lie, like what message are we sending to our children? And he did seem a little bit emotional. Larry Elder, I mean, even though he like did not win, he's not going to be the next governor, at least for the next year. Um, he's better positioned as a Republican commentator, a, a voice who is going to get paid a lot of money to deliver speeches across the country and appear all over the place. So he's in a better spot now than I think when he started out. And the most important one, what's a drink each of you are going to down after this interview to celebrate this whole damn thing being over? Gin and tonic. A massive glass of Sauvignon Blanc. And me, I'm going to be drinking rum on the rocks, Nicaragua, Cuba Libre, everything. John Sima, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll be back for an election soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, The Times will take a deep dive into the term Latinx, oy vey. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Marina Peña, Melissa Kaplan, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. And our theme music is by Andrew Epin. And a shout out to the entire LA Times team, from our reporters to editors, layout designers to graphics teams, everyone. 
They worked all night to get the recall results right and will continue to work into the days and weeks to come. A virtual bourbon to all y'all and may we do the real thing very soon. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>